To say January was a bit stressful for me, that is an understatement. We were, we were renovating the church, working every weekend. I was meeting with electricians and inspectors and contractors. I was working with our denomination district staff in formalizing the transition. And what does this look like, this new using of a building? And all the while, while doing all of that, still trying to keep a church running and preparing sermons that didn't make people fall asleep. So January was stressful. But I was keeping it together. I was keeping it together up until about a week and a half ago. So about a week and a half ago, uh, my wife Pofo and I were sitting in, the, in our office, and, and she, she noticed a typo on one of the graphics I had created. I had, and I had posted up online. And I don't know why that snapped me. I got really angry. I screamed, I pounded my fist on the desk, I cursed one of the rare words that fling out of my mouth when I really lose it, and I realized I wasn't keeping it together as much as I thought I was. You see, my anger outburst showed that something was wrong inside me. I was keeping it together but I really wasn't. I was stressed, I was filled with anxiety, I was overworked, underrested, and, and inside, I was kind of a mess. And that explosion made me have to realize that something was going on inside me that I had not been paying attention to. So I wanna ask you, what does your anger show you? When you get angry, whether, whether you're a desk pounder or a grumbler, however you get angry, what does your anger show you? Now, to answer that question, you actually have to ask a first question. So I'm going to lead in. I'm going to ask you this question. What type of Hulk are you? What type of Hulk are you? We've all got a Hulk in us. You know that, don't you? We've all got a Hulk in us, but our anger, our Hulk comes out in different ways. So I've got three different ways our Hulk can come out. So first, there's the exploder. The exploder. Okay, this is the person who, who is very visible with their anger. Okay? They show their anger. They're, it's the shouting, the yelling, the name-calling, the verbal intimidation. All of that, those are all exploders. They're the ones who tell you, you bet I'm angry. And they don't try and hide it. So maybe you're an exploder. Now, there's another type of Hulk. There's another type of Hulk. This one's called the stuffer. See, this, this is the person who hides their anger. This is the person, maybe, maybe you were taught anger's a sin, anger's bad. Christians don't get angry. So you stuff it. Okay? You stuff it down. They're the ones who, who, when you ask, are you angry? They're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Ladies. Okay. So, yeah, that, and then, yeah, I'm going to put my headphones on. Okay. Those are the stuffers. Now, there's a third type. There's a third type of Hulk. Okay. This is the leaker. 
This is the one who tries to hide their anger. This is the, the person whose anger comes out in little ways. They don't explode. They don't stuff. Okay? They're the ones that when you ask, are you angry? No. Well, okay, maybe a little. Okay? They're the ones that, that if this is you, chances are you probably believe that showing anger is bad. You can be angry. It's just wrong or sinful or inappropriate to show it. Now, these are the ones who it leaks out in things like gossip, sarcasm, passive-aggressive notes left on the fridge. All of those are leaking anger. So, who are you? What type of hulk are you? Out of these three, and you can be hybrids. You can be a stuffer until you explode. Okay? You can, be, you can be a leaker. You can be a long-time leaker, and then you stuff it for a while. Okay? So you can be hybrids here. So, so pick one. Kind of look up there and think. So I, I am a recovering exploder. Right. <laughs> Thank you. It's been, <laughs> it's been a week and a half since my last explosion. Because, <laughs> um, see, early in our marriage, I actually punched a hole in our wall. I was so angry. And I didn't know what to do with my anger. It, it just built up and, and it exploded. So yeah, in our first apartment, we had a little fist-sized hole in the wall, thanks to me. Um, I would, especially early on in marriage, I would verbally intimidate Pofoa. Okay? I've never been a shouter, a yeller, or a name-caller, or anything like that. But I would go intellectually. You, you ever had someone, maybe you're married to that person, who gets intellectually intimidating? They, they try to kind of put you in your place by coming up with a better argument, the, the more sound reasoning. And th- so I used to do that because that was kind of what I grew up with in my family of origin. So, so I'm a recovering exploder. How about you? Where do you fall in all of this? Now, we have to start there to understand what God says about anger. Now, there's, there's actually a lot of anger all throughout the Bible. You do not have to read too many chapters into Genesis to see some anger. In fact, it happens just four chapters in, okay? Um, and then through Revelation as well, we see some, some of the, ch- the, er, the churches mentioning, you see some of their, the, the anger expressed in the way they live out. And thankfully, at redemption, all of that anger is gone. But anger is a, is a very prevalent theme. And so for today, it was actually kind of hard to decide, what should I teach on when there are so many? There are, there are teachings about anger. There are proverbs, wise sayings speaking against anger. There are people who demonstrated a great destruction because of their anger. What do I teach on? Well, I wanted to land on probably the most famous Old Testament, pa- excuse me, New Testament passage on anger. Okay? And it's Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. So, so we're going to read that, and then I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit. So if you want to read along in your Bible, on your app, on your phone, in here, up on the screen, it's Ephesians 4. We're going to start with just two verses, 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. 
probably one of the most well-known passages. And if you've been around church, you may have even heard sermons. You've probably heard sermons on this passage. Well, today, I, I'm hoping that I'll be able to add a little bit of insight and that God will help open your eyes to a little bit of something different about understanding anger. So, so there it is. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, well, what does this mean? So let's, let's start with the first line. In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. Now, there is actually a lot of debate about this line the line of this verse, okay? Because some, some of you might have heard this as a, um, referring to another translation. So for instance, the ESV, which is a more literal translation of the Greek, translates it like this. Be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. And now some of you might have even heard before this passage referring to a case for Christians to, to practice justifiable anger or righteous anger, which is this idea that there are things in this world like prejudice and racism and violence and depending how you read scripture, the rejection of immigrants. There are things in this world that Christians should be angry about. That's that idea of, of righteous anger or righteous indignation, if you want even a bigger word for it. Now, and this passage is one of the things because people will read the ESV version and say, be angry, but don't sin. There are things we should be angry about, but we shouldn't sin. Now, there are things Christians should be angry about, but I don't believe this passage talks about it. This passage does not teach that. And there are two reasons I believe this. So first is Paul, this is not original to Paul. Paul is quoting an Old Testament psalm here. So to understand what this means, what Paul means, we have to go to the Old Testament. That's the first reason. Second reason is the general context of this passage, excuse me, in Ephesians 4. When you look at the whole passage, which we, we will, you'll have a hard time making a case that this is actually pro-righteous anger. So let's start, with, let's start with this Old Testament reference. Notice how it's in quotation marks. Whenever you see a, a verse in the Bible that's in quotation marks, it either means someone's saying it or, and or, they are quoting from the Old Testament. So here, Paul is quoting from Psalm 4.4. Now Psalm 4 pairs with Psalm 3. Psalm 3 is a morning prayer. Psalm 4 is an evening prayer. You can actually see it in the in the um, verse, that it's a morning prayer, and it's being said by someone who's having a rough day. This is a person that is under distress. And so we're going to read, uh, uh, we'll read just one verse, verse 4-4, four, four, and this is the one that Paul quotes. Okay? So here it is. Tremble or be angry. The, the Hebrew here is actually a little tough. There's some debate about what this word means. Tremble, be angry. Um, but tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer sacrifices of the righteous and trust the Lord. Now, that does not sound like fight for the rights of the oppressed. Protect the innocent. What it sounds like is trust God. So that's, that's Paul's reference. That's, what he, that's his source right there. Now let's go back to Ephesians. Look at Ephesians 4 and look at the bigger context, the bigger context here. So, and this is a great principle. Whenever you read 
read a passage, read a verse, read a few verses up and a few verses down. It, it does you a lot of good. So here are some of the things. We're not going to read all of four, but here are some of the things that Paul says. Here's a quick smattering of them. Okay? You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. He says, put off your old self. Put on your new self. Put off falsehood. Speak truthfully. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, and malice. Those are all things that come before in your anger do not sin and after. That's our context. So again, that does not sound like fight for the oppressed, protect the innocent, welcome the immigrants. That's not what this passage is about. What Paul is saying to the Ephesian church here, fundamentally, get rid of sin. Don't live like you, you used to live. Live a new life under Christ. And here are all kinds of sin. Get these things out of your life. So when, that's why I actually think that the, the NIV translation is probably the, one of the better ones for us as English speakers. In your anger, do not sin. And there's almost this implication, and if you dive into the Greek, which we won't bother with here, there's almost this, this sense of the if you sin, if you end up finding yourself angry, don't sin. And that's the first thing. That's the context we're working with. So let's read the whole, the, the whole passage, the two verses again. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So we learned three things from this. We learned three things. First, anger is filled with sin. Anger is filled with sin. I have yet to ever meet a person who can pull off anger without sin. Maybe they're out there. I'd love to meet them one day. Okay? <laughs> um, but anger is filled with sin. If it wasn't, Paul wouldn't say don't sin. But anger is filled with sin. And when you get angry and your blood pressure starts to build up, that is just opening the door for all kinds of sin. And there are so many ways you could violate God's commands and God's desire for your life when you're angry. Okay, Here is just a few of the things that you and I have probably done when we're angry. Here we go. Selfishness, pride, violence, hatred, swearing, dishonoring your parents, brawling, unforgiveness, hypocrisy. That's just the beginning. I could have just, gone over, just kept going and going and going. But that's, I mean, that's just the beginning of the sin that can be a part of our lives when we're angry. Not to mention the destruction that happens in our relationships with our husband, with our wife, with our kids, with our parents. That's what happens. Anger is filled with sin. Right? Now, some of, you, some of you might see anger as good. I mean, I was talking with someone a few months ago, and they were saying, like, yeah, like, it's really good every once in a while. Like, I, I go down to my punchy bag, man, I start punching things. Or I go down, I start, like, I go outside and I rip off tree branches. Because it's good to get that out of me. Because otherwise, otherwise, then I might do something really bad. <laughs> Poor trees. You'll end up with like toothpicks by the end of this. But so sometimes, and let's face it, some of us 
believe that. That that anger, like kind of that exploding anger, if you do it in controlled ways, is actually good and healthy. Again, I have yet to find someone who can pull off anger without sin. Next, so that's one thing we learned. The second thing we learned, the second thing we learned from this passage, anger does damage quickly. You do not have to sit around for anger to start hurting your marriage. You do not have to sit around for anger to start taking root in your kids and the pain from angry responses. In fact, we can probably, if if I grabbed a mic and I passed a mic, we could probably all share some angry things we received from our parents when we were kids. And they're still with us as adults. Anger does damage quickly and stays around for a long, long time. So that's why you've got to deal with anger quickly. You've got to deal with anger right away. Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, which means you've got to work this out because the clock is ticking and it's going to start hurting you and your relationships. Now, early in our marriage, before and I, we took this literally. Okay? We took it literally that we, we, would not go, we would not fall asleep until we worked out whatever issue was going on between us. And early in our marriage, we had a lot of issues going on between us. But see, there's a problem to that. By the time you get to like 2 a.m. and you're still talking about something, have you ever fallen asleep on your spouse when you're trying to work through? That became a regular thing, okay? So listen, you're just hearing this from your pastor. You do not have to take this literally, okay? It's okay to go to bed. But here's the challenge. If you call a timeout, Call it delay a game. Take the responsibility to talk about when you're going to talk about it. Don't just say, I'm going to bed, and you roll, <laughs> roll over. Make the commitment to say, okay, I, I can't keep doing this. My eyes, I'm so tired. But hey, how if we grab some coffee tomorrow morning? Or I'll call you at lunch when I have an hour. Make the commitment about when to talk about this. So you don't have to take it literally. But remember... Anger does damage quickly, and the longer you let it sit, the deeper it burrows into you. The deeper it eats away at your heart, it eats away at your love, it eats away at your soul. And that leads us into the next idea that we learn from this passage. Anger gives Satan a place in your life, or it reveals that he's already had one. Anger shows, anger demonstrates that it's, you are either going to be giving Satan a place, a foothold for all, for all you rock climbers. You know the power of a foothold. It gives Satan a place. The, the literal translation of that word, the foothold, is place or opportunity. Imagine you're giving Satan an opportunity into your life to set up camp. Sometimes it's a foothold if you don't deal with it, because remember, anger does damage quickly. If you don't deal with it, all of a sudden that foothold pretty soon becomes a whole base camp. And you've got Satan camping out in your soul, pulling you away from God, pulling you away from the people that you love, diving you deeper into sin. 
Because anger gives Satan a place. Paul knows that. That's why he said, and don't give the devil a foothold. Because it means the, the, if you don't deal with your anger, you are opening the doors. You're unlocking the back door and leaving it wide open. Satan, come on in and do your thing. Because here's the thing. When Satan gets into you, Satan gets into your heart, Satan gets into your mind, you start believing the worst things you are saying to the person you're angry about. They're no good. They don't love me. They're selfish. It's their fault. Because Satan makes you start to believe that stuff. And then he makes you believe the worst about yourself. You're no good. You're unlovable. You're a failure. You're just like your parents told you. You would never measure up to anything. And you start to believe those things because Satan has set up base camp in your soul. That's what anger does. So this is no small matter. This is no small matter. Because fundamentally, and that's what, that's what I love about this last point, the, the don't give the devil a foothold. Because Paul knows that the anger that shows demonstrates something going on inside you. The anger that shows or the anger that you, you try to hide unsuccessfully it shows that something is wrong. Something is going on inside you. And that's really important to understand. Okay? And, and to, to really wrap our heads around this, I, I want to give you one big universal principle about, about anger. Big universal principle. You ready for this? Here it is. Anger is a secondary emotion. Your anger, my anger, is always a secondary emotion. It's never primary. It's never the main thing going on inside you at the time. There's always something more important. There's always something bigger. There's always something deeper. Anger is a secondary emotion. Now, what do I mean by that? I, I want to give you two illustrations. Okay, two word pictures for this. So first, do you recognize this? How many of you have this in your car right now? Okay, I do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. We should go to a mechanic, shouldn't we? We really should do that, okay? Now, this little light in and of itself on your dashboard doesn't mean anything. It's not like it means your dashboard is broken, okay? It doesn't mean your speedometer is not working. No, what it means is there is a problem under the hood. That warning light means there's a problem under the hood. That it's the same with anger. Anger is the warning light that something's wrong under your hood. Anger is the warning light that something's wrong under your hood. My explosion over a typo, really, like a typo on Facebook, is that really something like abuse my poor desk? <laughs> no. But it sh that anger showed me that something's wrong under my hood. That I was exhausted and I was overwhelmed and I was really tired. So that, that's the first picture for anger. Now, here's the second picture of anger. Here's an iceberg. Now, if you, if you remember like eighth grade science class, that, people, that, that scientists say that only about 10% of an iceberg is above water. 90% is underwater. 
That's really what did the Titanic in. The Titanic thought it could clear. It didn't hit the part that was showing. It hit the part that was underwater. 10% above water, 90% below water. Anger is the same thing. Anger, what you show or feel, is like the 10% above water. You know what that 90% below the water is? Those are all the emotions, all the primary emotions that are causing the anger. Those are all of the primary emotions. Because remember, anger is a secondary emotion. There's always a primary emotion. Now, what do I mean by primary emotion? Let, let me give you this, okay? Here are some examples. You might feel hurt. You might feel embarrassed, disrespected, controlled. You might feel stupid. Any of those could cause you to be angry. And if you talk about your anger, you're not going to solve the problem. It's like cutting off the dandelion and throwing it away. It's just going to come back. We all know the way to get rid. You have to dig into the roots. Okay. So for like my little mini explosion last week, okay, I wasn't angry that I made a typo. Because you know what I did? I pulled up Photoshop, fixed it, deleted it off Facebook, and posted a new one. It took me like five minutes. Really? That's all it took. But you know, no, you know what? I was embarrassed. Because it was actually the third typo I had made in January so far. I was embarrassed. I felt really stupid. That's really what was, and, and I, I was like running on fumes at that point. <laughs> I, that's what was really going on. So if before I had stopped and, and I started to talk about, oh, I'm so angry, I make typos, oh, I hate Photoshop, rah, okay? That would have done me no good. I would have stayed embarrassed, feeling stupid and overwhelmed. But I, I've, again, I'm a recovering exploder, so I'm able to see, I'm able to identify those primary emotions much better now than I, I did in my 20s. And so that's what I shared. I turned over to her and said, wow, here's what's going on inside me. Okay. And so one of the most helpful things that Pofo and I do with couples is we give them an emotion list. Now, here's a very short emotion list right now. This is just a handful of words that could describe you when you're angry. This is just a fraction of it. Now, if you want a whole list, we actually published up on our website, which is also available in our app. If you know, we have a new app. There's a blog section there. There's a new article I just posted up last night with over 100 emotion words. My recommendation, if you want to understand those footholds Paul talked about, if you want to know where the devil is trying to get a hold of you, you pay attention to your emotions. And we even say, you know what? Pull up that list in your next fight. And stop saying, I'm so angry you didn't take out the trash. T start talking about, I feel neglected. I feel ignored when you don't take out the trash. Pay attention. Pull that up on your app, on, on the New River Life app. See how I'm plugging that? You like that? There we go. Download that. Okay? Um, and pay attention to your emotions. Because any one of those can cause you to explode or stuff or leak. So pay attention to your primary emotions. All right. Now, let's bring this back to the scripture. Let's bring this back to Ephesians. Now remember, first remember, anger is a secondary emotion. 
Paul knew it. That's why he taught that sin is sitting just below the surface. There's more, more sin to anger than anger. And that's why he said, in your anger, don't sin. Because sin is sitting just below the surface of your anger. Okay? It's why he said, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because sin is right there, ready to eat you away. Okay? And it's why he said, don't give the devil a foothold. Because he knows when you're angry, when we're angry, we open the door to Satan to come in and set up camp in our lives. And those primary emotions that you feel, those are the things that God wants to speak to. Those are the things that God wants to bring hope and healing to. Your anger, that's just secondary. But those feelings of worthlessness, those feelings of stupidity, those feelings of rejection, those are the things God wants to speak into. God wants to say, you are my child. You are my beloved. I love you no matter what you do. You are of infinite worth to me. Those are the things God wants to speak to. God doesn't really want to deal with your anger because you know what? If... Your anger will come back. My anger will come back. But God wants to speak to what's below the surface. He wants to bring hope and healing to what's wrong under your hood. He wants to bring hope and healing to the 90% of the iceberg that's going on inside you. And then you know what? The 10% will get healed. The engine light will go off. And that's what God wants to bring. Paul knew it, that, that anger is deep, it is layered, and God knows it. And he wants to meet you in those primary emotions, those deep things that hurt, those deep things that cause us to hurt other people. Because remember, hurt people hurt people, and healed people heal people. And God wants you to be healed. I want River Life to be a church full of healed people because that is the only way that we can bring healing to a neighborhood, to a city. Hurt people can't heal people, but healed people can. Healed people can bring hope to people who are hopeless. Healed people can bring hope to a city can bring hope to refugees in fear of their future. Heck, healed people can bring hope to even a place like Facebook because you're not acting out of your anger. You're not acting out of your wounding. You're acting out of your healing. So God wants to heal you. But if we spend all our time looking at the anger, we're going to miss where God really wants to heal you.